Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. Today we're going to continue the report of Unidentified Flying Objects, a book by Edward J. Rupelt. The first code name for this investigation was Project Sign, which was set up January 22, 1948. On February 11, 1949, it was renamed Project Grudge. A formal report by Grudge was written at the end of the year, dated December 27, 1949, and the Air Force also issued on that date a press release headlined, Project Saucer Discontinued. Today we're joined by Dr. Bill, and we're continuing to report on the report of unidentified flying objects. How's it going, Bill? Hey, how are you? I'm living the UFO dream. I have yet to see one. I, I, look, I look up into the sky pretty often, and uh, I have yet to see any ufos have you been looking at did you, are yes. you looking at the perseid meteor shower there you know it's the perseids right now no no i haven't i haven't looked at it oh, we've had uh, it's been overcast and at night there's mosquitoes yeah so it's pretty it, ugly up there it doesn't make it easy to uh to spot ufos through the clouds yeah, it doesn't make it easy to spot ufos it doesn't make it easy to hang out outside, outside. unless you want to put a lot of bug spray on and they still bug you that's so. amazing that's amazing so today we're talking about the still talking about um, the report on identified flying objects by edward j rupelt and um the latest chapter is the uh the new project grudge which um grudge is winding down but we're uh, our hero ed rupelt and his exploits into ufo investigations continues um yeah so we got a couple things we're going to talk about before we get started right i mean we got uh oh yeah um oh oh uh jackie gleason we mentioned it last time yes yes (laughs) jackie gleason jackie gleason (laughs) yeah and this came from uh joe rogan's podcast with uh, Chris Miller, and they mentioned it, which I never knew about. Jackie Gleason built a house in New York that looked like a UFO, and then it had like a little UFO with it in 1959. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, it's in, we say New York, but it's in the forest. What do they call that? The outer area of, in the upstate, forest. Upstate yeah, New York. Upstate. Yeah. And then... Um, in 1970, supposedly, oh, after after Richard Nixon was no longer president of the United States, Nixon supposedly took Jackie Gleason to an air base in Florida and showed him debris and aliens, dead aliens in a freezer, in freezers. Yeah, and then Jackie Gleason uh, came back to his home, the, the UFO home, and then well, I actually well, what stated. Well, his home in he Florida, because well, he had multiple yeah, homes. He was, yeah, and he was drunk for six months or whatever after he saw that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't. Nixon kind of just showed up at his house, the UFO. I, well, I don't know if his UFO he showed up. Where oh, he was. was in Florida. It was in Florida. It was at an air base in Florida. And 
and um, Jackie Gleason golfed with Nixon. They were golfing buddies. And so and Nixon came by and supposedly took him over to uh, this air base and just walked him in and showed him dead aliens. And so they're in Florida. So where would that be at their homestead? Or yeah, I think it was. It was down near. Um, that was Southern Florida. So I don't know which bases are down there. I don't. Yeah. So Homestead's down there. Okay. So maybe it was Homestead. Um, so. But was this UFO house already built then? I mean, is this something he believed he, in? He, he built this UFO house in 1959. Okay. And then, um, yeah, I don't know what happened to it. After he died, it just sort of fell into decay and somebody bought it in the 70s for $150,000. And recently it went on the market for like three or four million or something. There's pictures online that you can look at. It's a really I saw that. It's a neat house. Pretty- Oh yeah, I'd love to have that thing. Yeah, would that be badass? Yeah, I mean the just yeah. the um, uh, fixtures, like the floors and the railings and the woodwork and everything is spectacular. It's a nice house. It's a very nice house. Well, the you know I saw pictures of the area. It's gated, no trespassing. It's chained up. Yeah, you can't get in there. I don't think anybody's living in it. I think it's just there. Yeah, I don't know. So I thought I think somebody bought it, but there was a guy that actually. Um, some video on YouTube actually went and hiked in to check the place out and took pictures of it. He has a video of him doing that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how big the security is. Might be a nice field trip. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, you want to try and get permission. You don't want to get chased off by the pit bulls of the new owner or something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If so, anybody's even living there, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I should probably look up the address and do a Google Earth and see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty e- – looks like it's pretty easy to find. But uh, – so Yeah, what, so that's – So – oh, no. I'm just uh, – oh, one of the things that we talked about was the – last time was the uh, Hynek letter in science. Yes. And uh, I found a – follow-up sort of like a rebuttal article that was in uh, science which uh, i haven't read because i just printed it out but we should talk about that at some point maybe next time okay um but yeah this is a a a rebuttal article in science for for um letter and there's another found another ufo i never thought that science had published anything on ufos these are rebuttal articles um I'm seeing, trying, looking for the date on this one. I don't see the, the date. Science Magazine. Science, science magazine, magazine, yeah. The premier magazine, science magazine in the United States. Is it still out? Oh, yeah. No, it's been out forever. They've done... What, I yeah, no, they... Uh, I can't see the date on this. I have to look it up. Yeah, because a lot of people are... Um, a lot of, you know, magazines just go away. Well, Playboy went... Come on, we lost Playboy, so I've lost... Well, science, I've lost yeah. Playboy. I mean, science is, you know... These these magazines used to be, I think, they're a business, and this is a big business. The science magazine is like everybody wants to publish in science or nature, and uh, so they're still around. I actually have a, uh, a publication in one of the nature journals, and I've published a letter in science. So they are um, uh, still considered the premier um, magazines, although I haven't read them for 
a long time because I got tired. We have of, so many other things to read. Well, it's not so much so many other things to read. Is that the magazines are filled with miracles, but no uh, cures when it comes to diseases. I just got tired. You know, you're always reading about this fantastic, you know, stuff, and it related to diseases, and it doesn't go anywhere. So I just, you know, just it's, like, it's not worth my time. It's, it's kind of like watch. It's kind of like watching the Curse of Oak. It is. You know? It's it's a long. It's it's. But you drag it out over decades. Or Skinwalker Ranch now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have you had a chance to watch Skinwalker Ranch? I think I watched the first season, and I did yeah, watch season, season two now. Yeah, and I decided I'm not watching season two. The first season was sort of. It was just a drag. And the the best part of it, you know, they they got the guy, the physicist, that's like the main character. Yeah. And uh, there's this other guy who doesn't talk, who is also uh, some sort of scientist. And they went to this well, and they have these radiation badges and this radiation yeah. detector. And yeah. the uh, physicist that's doing the analysis, uh, the guy that never talks, go well. Let's let's just wait a minute. And he's like getting the the radiation meter ready and the other guy just like pulls the lid off of the the well that's been sealed for who knows how long and all this radon gas comes out <laughs> and the guy irradiates himself and he gets a little radiation sickness yeah, he got radiation sickness he got a little burn on his hand yeah yeah and the guy oh, goes hey, just wait it just wait a minute before you do that and he's getting the thing guy and he goes okay too late yeah <laughs> 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 that was like the best part of the show but yeah, no, they're, uh, it's just, they're, it's the, I haven't seen the Oak Island thing, but it's the, sir, the Oak Island. It's, it's a UFO version of Oak Island. Yeah. They're just driving. And, well, that physicist, that physicist dude, the guy with the red hair, yeah, blonde or whatever he is, yeah. he's on other shows on history and all that, mm-hmm. UFO related shows and things. Okay. As, as a, but it kind of doesn't lend, I mean, it, yeah, he's a physicist and all that, but it doesn't really lend credence to anything. He just there. The latest thing is they brought the helicopter up to five thousand feet. And they're trying to figure out if um, you know there's any you know any- doors to other dimensions and crap. I oh. think is what they're trying to figure out. Yeah, I'll right I'll, uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. I just wanted to ask you. So you were saying earlier before we started recording that there's what are the countries that people are downloading? What countries? You said there's countries all over the world who are downloading the show. Yes, they are. There's 52 <laughs> countries. Wow. Um, They're downloading. I can tell you just a just a few yeah. of them, just out of curiosity. Yeah, it's um, if I could operate my, you know, I have to be able to operate my stuff here. Okay. So there's, you know, Romania. The latest one, which is interesting, Romania, if you're out there, that's just come on board, but it seems to be like one person. But Germany, India, UK. Okay. Um, Any in France? France doesn't have very many downloads. We're not very. Now, Robert's. Robert's Robert, popular in France. Robert is popular in France, and I don't know why. I can't figure it out. It's um, it's, it's the hair. Is it the hair? I don't know. I don't know. It, well, it's, it's it's new hair. It's new. Yeah. Yeah. Now he now that he doesn't have to wear a hat anymore. Yeah. 
So UK, Germany, Germany's big. Romania, Ghana, which Ghana. is in yeah. Africa. Yeah. Wow. Um, Ghana's gotten big. Thank you, Ghana. India, India's always big. But okay. India's fallen off a little bit. Okay. Where it was, I mean, you, it, at one point it was almost taking over the. Um, so the Philippines, Canada, Canada's pretty big. Uh, Brazil, Denmark's in there. Um, Australia, Greece has come up lately. Wow. Greece, Taiwan. Ireland, uh, Brunei. Sorry, Brunei. I do not know where that is. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. We weren't taught uh, geography. They gave Brunei up teaching, was, teaching geography yeah, they, when we were in high school. It became a non-subject. You have to learn kilometers now. We don't care about the world. <laughs> yeah, uh, kilometers yeah. are easy. Yeah, yeah. We actually had when we were in school. They actually had the. Uh, they started to teach us the metric system. Remember that? Yes, I and remember then, that. And then it gave up on it. Because yeah, we it said he gave it up on it before I had to study it. Well, it's easy. All you got to do can you can count to a hundred? I was always yeah. I was you, always you know the you know the metric what, system. If you can count to a hundred, you know the metric system. Well, they were always trying to figure out what a kilometer is versus a mile. Who cares? You know, and <laughs> and that they would a kilometer is a kilometer, and a mile is a mile. Yeah. So it's like why. But it, that was always the big thing because I had Mr. Orgill. Oh, Mr. Orgill, he's, he's terrible. Is he? Is he still alive? I don't hope. I don't know. I hope. <laughs> I don't have any hope for that. I had Mr. Orgill for three <laughs> things. I had, I had him for algebra too. Oh, he was terrible. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, basically, you know, a hundred a hundred yards is a hundred meters, and. Um, you know, is a hundred yards a hundred meters? No. It's a, it's close yeah. enough. It's close enough for government work. So, so a yard is more like a yard is a, a yard is thirty six inches. A meter is thirty nine inches. It, it, who cares? So ten a hundred kilometers. A hundred meters is a hundred yards approximately. So a kilometer is ten football fields. And then a um, a gallon of gas is four four liters for. Um, Four liters, yeah. So I'm watching roughly, and that's that's because I've traveled enough in countries with with uh, that actually use the that system that it's just like when you buy gas, it's just four liters is a gallon. So and then you can convert it and figure out what you're paying, which is a lot. Yeah. How much is gas back there now? I don't know. I'll see when I go out this uh, if I go in the next month, but the. Um, I can't remember. Um, I guess I guess once a month. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, when I'm going. I'm going out in a That's month. Awesome. I'll, I'll be. I'll see what gas prices are because I'll. I'll be in a car and stuff and doing things. But the. Um, um, I can't remember. I actually. I've. I've. Did a lot of driving in uh, Iceland a few years ago, and um, uh, the price of gas didn't really feel prohibitive. Didn't feel that high. So it wasn't too yeah. crazy. So I'm not too I'm not too worried about it. They they I don't even know what it is. I don't care. I mean the problem with gas is you you got to buy it. <laughs> you need it. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. matter what you pay for it. It's just you pay for it. You need it. You drive it's like food, like food. Yeah. Gotta you, have it. You need it. Electricity, water, food. Um, cool. That sounds nice. Uh, there was okay something else. Oh, okay. So the. Uh, 
I found a rebuttal article for Hynek's uh, letter. We'll talk about that next week if you want to do that. Right. Yeah. And um, which looks interesting. I don't have the year on it. I think it was 68. I didn't write the year down and it's not listed on the. Oh, 67. September 67. Found it. Um, and I just finished reading um, Firestorm by Ann Druffel, which is the biography of um, James McDonald. So we've talked a lot about Hynek and he's been involved in. Um, um, Project Blue Book was very important, and he um, he was a physicist and came about and and felt that there that UFOs were worthy of scientific study. So Hynek was associated with Project Blue Book, and then he started um, the Center for UFO Studies, CUFOS, which I confused with CUFON, which is a different organization. And um, so he started CUFOS as a depository of information. And Kufos is now run by Mark Rodiger, who I've actually just was emailing with today. Um, and uh, James E. McDonald was involved with NICAP, which was the organization that uh, Kehoe didn't start, but Kehoe was the executive director for 10 years or, or more for NICAP. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and I can't remember what NICAP stands for. Is National? Actually, I can. If I can get a browser up, I'll bring it up. So NICAP stands for NICAP. Uh, ooh, the nice logo. Uh, National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, which essentially doesn't um, exist anymore. It does have a, it's more like an online um, depository of information. So they have a web page and it um, it's a resource, a web page resource on UFOs. I like their, their logo looks very cool. But they're no longer around? Uh, they're sort of around. It's more of a, um, let me see, I thought there was a website, it's not coming up. Um, they have a website. Here it is. Um, it's a privately supported fact-finding body serving the public interest. It's more like an information hub. You can go in here and, and um, find different things. I sent you a, there's a web page in there for like eBooks that you can just download. And I sent you like one of them, a couple of them yeah. look real interesting. Uh, so they're out there. So Heineck was involved with, the organization he started and McDonald was involved with NICAP with which uh, uh, Donald Kehoe had started and uh, he was I would say the heavily involved with NICAP senior scientist type thing and this is the guy that um, he did um, he, he did lots and lots of talks on the stuff and apparently he did kill himself um, unfortunately I think the pressure really? yeah I just finished the finished the book he was in, heavily involved in NICAP NICAP's demise was actually interesting because it seemed to the woman that wrote this book says that the board of directors and the organization which was a very small sort of core group in Washington DC she says it was infiltrated by the CIA and they basically shut it down and the description that she gave in the book 
was that um, they voted Kehoe out because of fiscal irresponsibility. They voted in a new guy, and oh, so he wait. So he spent too much money. I, or, they, from what I can tell, I don't know all that you can't. You, there's not a lot of information in the book. Basically, uh, the membership collapsed. They had a big membership. The Condon report came out, which is a whole other story. Uh, and the Condon report came out and said UFOs don't exist. It's all a big fantasy. And and here we are. You know, the Condon report came out in 1969, and here we are. Um, what is this, 40 years later, 50 years, I agree, 50 years later? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're 50 years later, and, you know, UFOs back in the news, and the government is officially willing to investigate it. And Harvard University actually just started a, uh, a UFO investigation, officially has an organization, it's, it's called the Galileo Project, that is investigating UFOs. Harvard. So, Harvard, 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 Harvard Spa, Harvard. And they Harvard. are Harvard. And uh, so it's, it's you know, so the Condon Report, which is, a, which is a mess. And from what I've looked at, the Condon Report was just, the whole idea of the Condon Report was just to try and do what Project Grudge was trying to do, which we just finished talking about in this book which was to make it, it go away, make the UFO thing go away. And uh, the Conan report came out, NICAP's membership diminished dramatically, but they still were bringing in enough revenue. And Kehoe's salary was $7,500 a year. The rest of the money was to pay like a minimal staff, min- basically minimum wage. <clears throat> and it was just plugging along. So what this lady says is that the board got infiltrated by a CIA dude and they, you know, and one of the staff members was involved in this, a new hire, and they sort of got uh, the board to vote Kehoe out, voted this new guy in as the executive director. The new guy, Kehoe's salary was $7,500. The new director's salary was $35,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, and all of a sudden they didn't have money for anything. Where before they were just sort of getting by, but they were getting by. So, and then the new guy just sort of like wound it down and shut it down. And uh, apparently held the uh, all the documentation that they had hostage um, because they he was owed money and salary or something. I don't know what happened with the all the, the documents from... Uh, uh, NICAP's archives. I don't know what happened to that or where they ended up. And uh, I looked up the address in Washington, D.C., and it's actually, I've been to Washington, D.C. a ton of times, and I'm looking at this street and I'm going, oh, I know this street. Oh, I know this place. Well, the building it used to reside in isn't even there anymore. It's a metro station. It's been torn down when they put the new metro in. But, uh, um, yeah, it's a fascinating story. But one of the things that I want to look. I marked the last page of the um, um, last few pages of this biography. He's talking about uh, the UFO phenomenon, and this is in the seventies. He says they go the so-called UFO. Uh, even as the UFO community continued to research the phenomenon, the mystery deepened. In the mid seventies, UFOs, which had been generally accepted as one phenomena, or at the very least 
a closely con- connected series of phenomena suddenly exploded into a multitude of aspects. The so-called UFO abductions, uh, similar to Betty and Barney Hill's experience in New Hampshire, increased exponentially. Suddenly hundreds and then thousands of so-called abductees, many of them demonstrably rational individuals, began coming for- forward, claiming UFO occupants had forcibly taken them aboard their craft. Creatures which, to put it briefly, the abductees did not feel had their best interests at heart. Um, The second aspect was even more mysterious. Demonstrably rational persons described events which were strangely reminiscent of the 1950s contactee stories, except that many of the entities involved were not so human-like. So I guess in the 50s it was always the uh, beautiful people coming to save the Earth from nuclear weapons. And, um, one and, of th- and now, and now, yeah. So, oh yeah, I watched uh, Fire in the Sky movie last night. Oh, what did you think? What did you think of that? Uh, we did a whole, you know, we did a whole segment. Yeah, I just, yeah. And I haven't, I haven't, I haven't listened to it. I did pick up the paperback. Um, I don't know. Um, I did watch a little bit of the interview that he did with Joe Rogan, and the movie is uh, sort of weird. Uh, I like the. The, the spaceship stuff was bizarre and uh, interesting. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't, he's one, and this is something I discussed when Debbie was on, is that I'm not sold on that story. I'm, I'm you know, I, he could have went away for a few days, got, you know, well, it's, a hotel room for cash. Well, you did, just yeah. Stay drunk. Well, you did, yeah. You did point yeah, out that it's know. like four or five people keeping a secret is is not easy. So I don't know. Yeah. The, the only al- al- the alternative yeah. explanation is that they all took like mushrooms or acid and then just like freaked out in the woods. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a, that's an alternative. There's always that. Yeah. There's always that possibility. So I don't know. That's the alternative yeah. possibility. And then just came up with this because they couldn't find their friend. I don't know. And who comes up with a story like this? It's like, yeah. why don't, yeah, we do, we, we just, he just ran off. He disappeared. Um, well, they thought they killed him. I mean, the cops are like, yeah, they must have murdered him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it looks like. And then he shows up yeah. naked, which um, it does fit sort well, of the idea of doing a lot of drugs. Well, he was naked in the movie, but in his, uh, oh, in the, in the story with Rogan, he wasn't naked. Oh, okay. All right. So they they and so Rogan said, I'll, "You got to listen to the whole Rogan." I mean, yeah, I I'll, long, I'll, I'll go back and I'll listen to it. I got to yeah, listen to Big Rogan. Rogan has a way of interviewing, and I, I know he, you know Rogan's you know show isn't quite as popular as ours, but still, it's uh, it's close. <laughs> yes, but it is an awesome show, and I love his. Oh yeah, I'm an MMA guy, but he. He gets, and he'll ask questions like, so what did you, so you had your clothes on for like, he was gone for two, three days or whatever. Uh-huh. So how did you like go to the bathroom or, <laughs> yeah, we had these, yeah, yeah. you know, obvious questions about yeah. how did, so you got dropped. It would make more sense the way the movie went than have him naked. They took his clothes and it, you know, did whatever with him and then drop him off naked. But that wasn't his story. His okay. Story. Or that's not when his people found him after he, they called on the payphone at the gas station. Yeah. 
they found him naked or they found him. I don't, they found him with clothes on. Okay. But yeah. I have, I have the book. I'll read the book. At, when I, it's at some point. probably, yeah, you'll probably get some information out of the book. He's a Travis. Uh, what's his last name? Travis. Walton. Um, Walton. Walton. Yeah. Like the Walton. He's got his own UFO. Yeah, like, he's got his own UFO following. And, uh, I think he's got a small organization or something. He goes to most of the UFO conventions. Uh huh. Speak. Hey, um, we'll hey. have to go at some point. Well, and, you, know, uh, you know, Mufon is coming it, up, but I don't think is you're... it in Vegas. Yeah. Yep. Well, Debbie said that. Yeah, you, you, you and I will be going on our own because not be doing. She does well. I don't think. I think I'm not here. Um. You okay? I love it. You know. Uh, it is no. I am here. Okay, so we should probably get back to the. I mean, you yeah. Got anyway, else. so um, one of the other things he said in this book, and I, I marked the. This is like the last page of this book by McDonald, and it says, "Until very recently, however, the basic phenomenon has been downplayed drastically, mainly because for over twenty years the abductee phenomena seemed to hold out hope of obtaining physical evidence, but this hope has not yet borne fruit." The author's present hypothesis is that the visitors, whatever they are, are posing as physical occupants from the physical unidentified craft that still travel Earth's sky. So she's saying that something hinky's going on, I guess. Yeah. And then she says, although this combination of new and old is effective in many ways, no top scientist with the unique combination of McDonald's intensity Persistent, persuasiveness, brilliance, worldwide reputation, unswerving vitality, and influential contacts has come to the fore. And that actually may, um, brings us to the Galileo Project at Harvard and this guy, Avi Leo, who says that this uh, object that passed through the solar system may have been an um, astro-archaeological device, like a light sail or something. Um which they're using that as a stepping off point for for starting this new it's basically is structured as a like a tech company as far as i can tell they have um a scientific ad, ad, advisory board with uh, 11 members that are mostly physicists and astrophysicists they've had millions of dollars donated they have a research staff of 17 people already uh, with one UFO historian, which I thought was interesting. And um, one of the people on the SAB has put together this like Dragonfly telephoto array, which is a bunch of cameras hooked together with 400 millimeter lenses. Uh, it's a, essentially a robotic auto camera with high resolution cameras, I guess, that bring all the images together. So what this Galileo project is proposing is to uh, deploy a camera system similar to what was proposed in the Robertson report, which we'll get to eventually in this book. And uh, they are not going to do any retrospective analysis of UFO data, even though they have a UFO historian on staff. So that's a question mark. Um, no sightings that defy or con our current understanding of physics so one of the guys in the video that I watched said, no hovering and no supersonic flight without a sonic boom. 
Um, I don't know why he said no hovering, because I think we can build aircraft that hover, and we have. Uh, they said they're going to use no government data because uh, they don't want to get into any classified areas of equipment or data, which uh, I think that there's a uh, another motivation for no government data, because if they manage to generate their own data or discoveries, it becomes their discovery. So no government data excuses because of uh, classified equipment data. Um, and I think that's because if they use the government uh, data, the government can claim um, sort of priority on the uh, tech on any potential technology that they discover since this isn't uh, they're not inventing potentially in uh, inventing technology they're uh, discovering technology so I, I think ultimately the motive motivation for this Galileo project is fame which is awesome and uh, profit because it's Harvard uh, and I think the uh, overall overall um, um, objective of the project would be to observe of these objects, these UFOs or UIPs, identify them, track them, and potentially capture them, which is what I would do in this case. So right. they're, they're going to, they want to look for cryptic satellites and, um, they say that data will be free and open, but I think this is the data will be free and open to individuals in the academic sense. And in the academic sense, when they say that data will be free and open, it's free and open after publication. So you can hold your data for as long as possible, and then you can um, um, let it go. So they can. So that that's you know, that's the usual academic speak. Yes, the data will be free and open because we're a scientific mission. Uh, but I do think that th this is a combination, since it's Harvard, a uh, combination potential profit motive, obviously. So just to back it up a little bit, so I'm talking about the Harvard Galileo project, which um, to me looks like it's structured as a tech company, tech startup. It has a scientific advisory board, which is mostly made up of physic physicists and astrophysicists. It has 11 members. Uh, it has had millions of dollars donated. Uh, it has a research staff of 17 people, of which one of them is a UFO historian. And what they're going to do is they're going to deploy a camera system, which is reminiscent of the uh, Robertson Project and what... Um, <coughs> Uh, J. Allen Hynek was talking about doing, building a, a camera system to track and photograph UFOs. Right. And they're going to use, a, I think they're going to deploy a system based on the Dragonfly, Dragonfly telephoto array, which was developed by one of the guys on the, uh, I think the SAB. And it uses 400 millimeter lenses and cameras that are um, networked to build a, an image and capture stuff. So, I mean, are they, is this from the ground, or are they going to try to... They're gonna, it's going to be on the ground. This is all ground-based. And I was actually thinking, you know, this is the sort of, this Dragonfly telephoto array, this is, they should, they're not going to work with the government on this, and I think it's because of, um, they, they say they don't want to use uh, classified equipment or data, but I think it's, they don't want the government's sort of fingers in the pie, and they don't want the government to be able to sort of co-opt any uh, discoveries or technologies they may discover. 
So uh, if the government's involved, the government can say, hey, we own it. And if the government's not involved, they can say, no, we discovered it. We, we found it. We own it. Um, so what, what I think they should do is that these dragonfly, dragonfly telephoto arrays, they should put them on these ships out to sea that are seeing these things. Right. That would make a lot of sense. This is what the Navy needs to, to uh, document these things. So because they're high resolution um, camera systems and they do they probably do layering or composite multiple images all together simultaneously. Um, they said they're going to uh, no res- retrospective analysis, which just mean they're not going to look at older UFO stuff, although they have a UFO historian on staff. Uh, they're not going to do any, uh, they're going to disregard any contactee or alien abduction type stuff because they don't feel that it's relevant to what they're, they're doing. Uh, they are going to disregard sightings that defy our current understanding of physics. So no hovering, which is one of the guys said in the video, which to me doesn't make a lot of sense because we build crap that hover. I think more than right. one. And no uh, supersonic craft without a sonic boom, which is also interesting because I know that the aerospace industry is is working on craft that can diminish the sonic boom, uh, mainly for commercial development. And they and and they want no um, government data, which I talked about. So the motivation is they are interested in fame and I think ultimately um, profit to make money out of this. And my take would be that the mission, the objective would be to observe objects, identify the objects, track the objects, and then eventually capture the objects. They're also going to look for cryptic satellites in orbit because they're thinking that this is um, alien technology, ancient alien technology that was sent to develop probes uh, to explore, investigate Earth. And um, one of the questions, one of the things that um, popped up in my mind was that what, because we've talked about, well, the best base for like an alien, best place for an alien uh, base is the dark side of the moon. Well, we've, we've heavily, you know, this was in the late 60s and early 70s. We have mapped the shit out of the moon. So probably down to the um meter level if not smaller than that so we can res the mapping of the moon the resolution is down to me a meter a square meter so any sort of artificial object on the moon i'm <coughs> excuse me i'm sure has been um i'm sure that the moon data has been thoroughly vetted specifically and i bet you specifically looking for this type of information and they didn't find anything and this project, the Galileo project, also says that the data will be free and open, but this is free and open in the academic sense, which means they don't release data until it's published. So um, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. I think they have a very uh, interesting approach, but it's a different approach. I mean, we've gone from UFOs or crazy talk uh, to uh, we're back to 1952 with J. Allen Hynek saying we need to have camera systems to figure out what's going on. So it's only taken 70 years for somebody to talk about, at least to start implementing this with a huge staff and millions of dollars of private money. So anyway. It's amazing. Yeah, cool stuff. Amazing. 
Interesting stuff. So, so yep. Uh, our hero, our hero. Rupelt. 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 So he's guiding his guiding his newly found, newly formed uh, new the new project grudge. Um, which in, which became Blue Book. Blue Book. Um, later on, I, I mean, we're rolling. I'm sure later on they actually rename it. But right now, he he's taking um, over Grudge and revitalizing it. Right. Yeah. Um, so when Grudge was disbanded, they dumped all the files, in, uh, storage bins. So uh, Rupelt, you know, in forming the new Grudge, was had to organize those files and get he's got a lieutenant working with him kind of his assistant and um you know it's just you know as they investigate these couple of um events they're you know they're deciding you know what uh, they're re-evaluating better than the old grudge um, they're taking, and really, they uh, when they have the sightings, what they're really doing, saying we don't know what these things are. They're unidentified. Well, basically, unidentified, and we don't know what they are. So it's just that's the UFO. It's just well, we don't know what it is, and we don't have the tech. And we've talked about this a million times. Yeah, we didn't have the tech back then, and apparently, we don't have the tech now. Um, you talked about the array from Harvard. Harvard. And, uh, Harvard. The Harvard. Project Galileo. And, uh, if Galileo proves to be, um, le- well, it'll be legitimate, but it'll be successful, then maybe we'll be able to. Um, it's it's an capture. idea that's been out there for 70 years. And I think the implementation using the this these dragonfly cameras, which I guess they call it dragonfly because of the dragonfly's eye. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the impl- implementation looks good. You can build it with um, sort of off-the-shelf stuff. So, building these cameras, the schematics are ev- the technology is developed. It's in place. All right. they have to do is put the cameras together, figure out where they're going to put them, and that's going to be the tricky part. So, w- one of the things they were, one of the things that um, um, Chris Miller was talking about on Rogan and Hynek at one point at, uh, yeah, I think Hynek when he was talking in, in, in the book we're talking about, or it's also in his book, I read Hynek's biography. Uh, they were talking about Hynek. There was these, um, there have historically been cameras that have been deployed that monitor meteorites and um, satellites and asteroids that have been used for decades to take pictures of the sky and right was saying that we that data is out there we should look at this stuff but the problem was is getting access to the data and or even repositioning these cameras to take these pictures they had these high resolution cameras already telescope cameras and he mentions in his book his biography there was a uh, ufo I'm gonna. I'm not gonna call these things UAP. I mean, it's just, that's just a distraction yeah, at this point. It's UFO. UFO. It's UFO. So these, there was a UFO that was in range of one of these cameras, and Heineck was trying to get this camera repositioned to take pictures. 
And the guys that were in charge of the camera, the astronomers that were using the camera said, no, we're not going to let you disrupt our, our research gathering. So that was one of the reasons that Hynek said to, um, they needed to have their own independent network. And these cameras, Hynek was developing cameras and they deployed, built some of them, these high resolution cameras were being built and deployed to uh, track Soviet satellites when they first came about. But these are also could have been repurposed for or purposed for tracking or observing UFOs. So this idea has been around for a while. So the Galileo project uh, is great. They're using this. The only problem I have with it, and they're using their, you know, they do have a historian, so they're going to research older sightings and try and pick hot spots to deploy these cameras. Uh, they don't want to, they're talking about not working with the uh, the government, I don't know. I mean, the most, the smartest thing to do would be to mount these cameras on these warships that are getting buzzed by these UAPs, and uh, which I'm using it for the warships, uh, UAPs or UFOs. Then to use those to take high resolution pictures of these these things buzzing the ships. Um, that would make a lot of sense. So I don't know why they don't want to work with the. Um, government on this other than the potential multi-trillion dollar profit motive of capturing alien technology and reverse engineering, which apparently um, may have already happened with Roswell. Yeah, I think we're, I feel that we're already past that because, and simply because of our, you know, the way our technology has advanced so suddenly after that event. Yeah, I would originally I would have said, um, you know, called BS on that. But thinking about, yeah, great. Thinking yeah. about sort of the my, like I said before, my the big frustration with modern computers is that the software is still catching up to it. And which is why I can run. I mean, I'm running a set of computers that are almost they're approaching 10 years old at this point, And they're they're, you know, they're fine and i'll use them for a couple more years probably and then i'll get the new computers more modern ones which will be 10 times what these are but these are adequate and the software running on them works works great um the um so in the in the chapter they're just well they're um rupel discusses how they gather the information they put together the new form we were talked about the form. We've seen the form. Yeah, you have where they enter. I have a copy of it. Yeah, it's yeah. also in that other book that we just got by Tacker. Tacker. But um, they use they entered the. It's interesting. They entered the information using computer punch cards, and you probably. Yeah. I've never. You have you used? That yeah. Much or, yeah. 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 Uh, so you, when when how I does started it work, I mean, do you enter stuff under the computer and then you make it? Well, it just punches holes in the thing. Well, punch cards, punch cards are <laughs> punch cards are I mean, awful. I actually took a uh, computer class, my first computer class, which was um, Fortran, uh, used computer punch cards, and you would write your program out, and then you would code it. And then it would get put into punch cards, and then the punch cards get fed into the computer and runs your program. Um, yes, it's so absolutely they, they did, it's absolutely awful way of doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all you got. That's what you got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was entering all the information about the sightings, and then they, with the new grudge, they're dialing in the 
process of the observer. They're even now evaluating, which they did before. They evaluated this observer. Is he professional? Does he have a Q clearance? Does he, is he this? Is he that? Is he a reliable source of information? Um, or she, uh-huh. and you know, they, they would take that and now they're compiling this, um, they're starting to compile intelligently as opposed because before with the old grades, they didn't want to know too much. It's like, I don't want to know, you know, I don't really, I, yeah, we're taking well, the information. Well, it's, inter- it's interesting because project sign, um, you know, with project sign, they, they compiled their report and the conclusion of project sign was that UFOs were alien intelligence. And that, that report According to Ruppelt, I think it's in this book, but I've seen it in other places. This report went up to it through the chain of command at the Pentagon until it got to Vandenberg. And Vandenberg blew a gasket and kicked it back down the chain of command. He said no. And uh, I think according to Ruppelt, it got, uh, then the report was destroyed. So Project Sign came in. They said, yeah, we, we're, something's going on. We think it's uh, aliens. And then they said, yeah. no, the high, high brass and the Pentagon said, no, shut the fuck up. And, yeah. um, and then what are you pro- drink? What are you drinking? What are you there? drinking? What do you guys are nuts? And then yeah. the, um, then they came out with project grudge and project grudge was specifically designed to discourage and to disprove UFOs. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't work because when the Project Grudge report came out, the reporters looked at it and said, wait a minute. The reporters looked in the 600-page Project Grudge report. Uh, 20% of the cases were listed as unknown. And the reporters looked at that was in the appendix. And the reporters are like, wait a minute. You're saying this is nonsense, but you, you don't know what 20% of these cases are. So it yeah. backfired on the uh, uh, Pentagon. And that's when Ruppelt, well, and Cummings was at the end of, Lieutenant Cummings was at the end of Grudge. And then Ruppelt came in and they let Ruppelt run an honest shop. They said, okay, come in and do an honest investigation. Well, yeah. he would let, when he chose his staff, it was interesting because anybody who did, was a total non-believer, skeptic, they fired. He Gone. would keep them. Yeah. So you got anybody that really was a UFO embracer. Yeah, they're out there. I believe them. He, um, he didn't like those guys either. He wanted middle of the road. He wanted neutral investigators. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, was, that, and I mean, the guy smart. was the guy was awesome. He um, see, he said a uh, bunch of interesting stuff. He said he had a he when he took it over. He took uh, he said for the next two weeks, every visitor to ATIC who had a reputation as a scientist, engineer, or scholar got a UFO briefing. Can't say who they were. Uh, but yeah. he says it reads like a page from the great men of science. Nine people visited the project during this trial period. Of the nine, two thought the Air Force was wasting its time. One could be called indifferent, and six were very enthusiastic over the project. Uh, this was a shock to me. I found out that UFOs were being freely and seriously discussed in scientific circles. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, the government was just like, we're not, it isn't happening. You know, it's not. Well, there was. The government, uh, meaning there were people, I shouldn't say the government, these people, if they didn't, you really, if you don't believe this at all, you, it'd be hard to do. 
I mean, if you're just gathering information on something, you're like, there's nothing to them. Yeah. You know, but, you know, the, the people were middle of the road, like we would say, they were middle of the road. Well, we're not, we don't not believe it, but we don't really believe it. We just, we're gathering information gathering. Yeah. You well, know, and, and putting them on our punch cards. Yeah. And I don't know what that did. I mean, I don't know. That, I, I don't know what the, 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 it's just, I, it's just gathering of, yeah, I'm you know, not really. Sh- I'm not really sure. I mean, that's punch card and the big magnetic tape stuff. Um, yeah, I had. <laughs> it's like the next year I had that the punch card class for Fortran. The next year we were using uh, Apple computers for programming. Wow, the big jump. Yeah, yeah. It went. We you know the whole the whole was, but that was just that's what they the college had at the point, and then the uh, they had Apple computers. So, which is one of the reasons I like Apple computers. So, um, and um, but the punch card—I don't know what they did with the. Uh, Heineck talked about this with trying to do some sort of computer analysis, and the report that just came out that was sent to Congress. They said they're they're going to do computer analysis, but now they're going to use AI, uh, and that's going to yeah. give us all the answers. And the AI, AI might because AI is known to be able to see to discover connections that people don't see. And um, so that may be helpful. And I mean, that's, I actually, that's actually a good approach. I would put in, um, you know, all this information, you can get databases of UFO sighting stuff. I mean, if you filter the database, I'd put it into an AI system and see if it comes up with any pattern recognition. So, um, before, you mean before it takes over the world and you know the AI? Yeah, it's, 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 it's self aware. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna do that. <laughs> what are we doing this UFO stuff for? It's ah, gonna do taking that over the world, taking over the world. We don't need humans. Yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, the, why are you here? The whole idea that these uh, the UFOs might be alien probes, you know, just ancient archaeological like alien probes that were sent out millions or billions of years ago. And um, which is really a cool idea. You send out probes, they can traverse space for thousands of years. They enter a solar system, look for a habitable planet. And we now know and have conceived of technologies that, uh, you know, self-replicating technologies. We got printers that can print all sorts of stuff. So you print, you know, you got a, a satellite or, or a probe that can uh, print flying saucers or even um, beings to explore the planet. So, I mean, this whole thing might have come in on a little tiny probe and then it just settled down somewhere and started uh, growing like a mushroom. And well, you know, there, but like we talked about before, there may not be any aliens. There may just be probes. May just be spaceships. Or yeah, yeah. It's all could right, all yeah. be all AI stuff. I mean, it's just autonomous craft that are gathering data for a civilization that's been dead for billions of years. Yeah, or or not getting ready, or they're getting or ready. not, or they're on their way. They're already they're already here. They need water. They need well. If they need water, they better not. Yeah, that's uh, that. I yeah, I can't remember which movie that was about stealing water, and that was before. Yeah. Water is very common in the universe, and yeah. uh, even this the uh, what they've seen with these these astronomers that are discovering planets all over the place. And this was mentioned in the Galileo 
video. When I was in the 70s and 80s, when I'm like reading all the science fiction and stuff, the whole philosophy was that uh, planets might be rare. So the assumption is just because we got a bunch of planets around our sun doesn't mean there's a bunch of planets around other suns. And in the 1950s, there were some astronomers that said they, they believed they discovered planets around uh, a sun in another solar system. And then, they, then it was like debunked, disproved. They said, no, your observation is an error. And now here we are uh, 60 years later, 70 years later, and everybody and their brother is discovering planets and they're saying that one third of these these solar systems that have planets have planets that are potentially habitable and could have life. So it's not a question. The question is now, um, you know, there are planets. There is going to be other life in the universe. The question is, what about intelligent life? And then you come back to the Fermi paradox, which is uh, Enrico Fermi, whose the paradox is if. Given the age of the universe, they should be here. He goes, where are they? If there's aliens, other intelligent lives, where are they? Well, and that's been a big question. Everybody's been answering these, you know, asking that question and looking at the Drake equation, which is to estimate civilizations in the universe and uh, stuff like that. Well, you know, the answer to the Fermi paradox may be, well, they're already here. So, which... It yeah, simplifies I, it, but who knows? Um, well, there's that story. I mean, there's always the old story where well, the old story, but that that the aliens have already contacted us. They're we're involved in the government. They're the lizard people or whatever the hell lizard, they are. Lizard people. The lizard people. Lizard people's coming up. We're going to be doing that episode with uh, with my brother Kevin. Here oh, good, cool, good. Few weeks. Good. Um, we're good. thinking. Yep, do it. Uh, but his wife, his wife was really into the lizard. Well, she doesn't believe it, but she's into the story. So, oh, it's um, it's. I've but, I've seen some of the stuff. I've, I loved it when. I mean, the when the YouTube used to be more sort of open about weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not as fun as it's not as fun as it used to be. You see all this great stuff. Yeah, um, it won't. Are they blocking certain? Well, I know um, when we go to advertise, and I'll put this down. When I go to out, do uh, some booths with our advertising, YouTube won't let us do the JFK episode or the Battle of Los Angeles episode because they said it was too controversial to be. I have, I have no idea. Um, yeah, it's are they becoming more strict as to their content? I, I don't, before? I don't know. It's just uh, there was this guy I can't remember that had these videos. He, he basically he would make fun of celebrities. And would say that they were like lizard people. And uh, it was hysterical. I mean, it was just the funniest. And the guy was serious, which made it even funnier. And his videos were great. And they they pulled all his stuff. And it's like, why? You know, who's, you know, know, I'm sure there was a few people that would believe it. But, uh, oh, it's just like, it was, it was really entertaining because the guy was just, the guy was, I don't know if he was funny on purpose or just inadvertently funny, but, uh, yeah, I love yeah, his videos. I, I pulled the information. I might've been the same guy that said why, and it had Obama. It had, this is the reason Obama's a lizard person. He had these things that he did and oh, yeah. know, there's reasons why they're lizard people. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. I mean, you know, we've always had bizarre stuff and 
weird tales and 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 they're fun i mean you don't the thing is now is they're they're like worried people are going to believe this stuff and um that may come well, back to um sort of like the mk of- mk ultra type things yeah and psychological influence of advertising and the media and things like that so the media has the ability to influence many people and some people deeply and so i think that uh, it's not talked about a lot but it's there's a lot of research on it and there's a lot of high sort of uh, high end admi- advertising people that use all these techniques to get us to buy things and yeah. believe things political things like that so you could t- say that the the power of that ability to manipulate by them taking this stuff down is that it shows you the power of this manipulation and their fear of the power and the fact that other people are using it for their own whatever means like this guy the guy's videos were great i loved his videos so they took them down oh yeah they took them all down it was funny because if you watched them i can't remember how long they were um if you watched them uh, they were like maybe 10 or 15 minutes, but if you watched them to the end, uh, they were pretty, you know, they were funny and weird up to about 10 minutes. And then in the last few minutes, they just went total into outer space. I mean, they just went totally, he went totally off the rails, always went totally off the rails at the end. So I think that was the joke. So, you know, and he probably was doing it on, on purpose, but it was funnier, funny stuff. But, uh, Anyway, but yeah, they, um, yeah, I don't know. They, uh, they worry about people taking stuff, weird stuff seriously and doing something about it. Oh, uh, that's, yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think we need to, I think we need to wrap it up. So, um, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, um thanks um, for listening to the latest, latest episode of the Alien Pro podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to AlienProbePodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook at AlienProbe.net. Check us out on YouTube at AlienProbePodcast, Twitter at AlienProbePod. Thanks to our senior producer, Robert Anthony. See you next time. Thanks, Bill. All right. Bye.